by the way I'm trying to see I'll be there waiting for waiting you. For you. He's so annoying. Oh my god. Card shop! Anthony, <laughs> Anthony is so annoying. Uh. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! I almost missed the cue. I almost missed the cue there. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. (laughs) This life is more than just a read through. Wow, what a stupid song. Uh, My name is Tyler. Oh, this is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we uh, we take a different album from a different artist and we break it down, we dive deep into it, we find out all the secrets and we let you all know about these secrets. My name is Tyler. Way out there, hundreds of miles away, is Jeff. Go to Apple Podcasts. Go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Ask Nine Radio. Thank you all for listening. We do have a Discord uh, server if you want to join that. Let us know. We'll send you the link. We also have a phone number if you want to call. Leave us a voicemail. Send us a text. The phone number is 503-893-5307. So get into that. Now, Jeff, what, uh, what are we doing today? We are doing the Red Hot Chili Peppers, by the way. Red Hot Chili Peppers formed in 1983 by Anthony Kiedis on vocals, Flea on bass, Hillel Slovak on guitar, and Jack Irons on drums. They currently have five ele- or they currently have 11 full-length records, five EPs, two live albums, 11 comps, and have sold over 80 million copies worldwide. But that one we're doing today is, by the way, it's the band's eighth record, and it was released July 9th, 2002. It features Anthony Anthony Kiedis on vocals, 
Flea on bass, John Frusciante on guitar, Chad Smith on drums, and this album by itself has sold well over 8 million copies worldwide. <laughs> what? What are you laughing about? <laughs> this band has sold so many fucking albums. It's insane. It's crazy. Yeah, it's stupid. It's insane. Yeah, it's pretty stupid. So what is your origin story with the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Go. The earliest Chili Pepper song I heard was Under the Bridge. Under the Bridge. I don't know where I heard it. I don't know why I heard it, but... Um, it was something that I wanted to play in guitar for a very long time. And when I first started playing guitar, it was too hard. So I kind of gave up on it. And I didn't fall back into the Chili Peppers until Californication. So it wasn't until Californication okay. that I really thought, like, holy fuck, Chili Peppers are so good, man. Anthony Kiedis is so tight. Like, everything about this band is so fucking dope, bro. So it wasn't until Californication. And then it really wasn't until, like, like high school, really. That I, I I really got into this album, and and mm-hmm. I remember like friend of the pod John, we used to make fun of the way Keita sings on fucking fucking, um, fucking Zephyr song. Good God, I can't even think right now. Okay, my brain's all mushed up. It wasn't until like the Zephyr song that friend of the pod John and I used to used to make fun of him singing on the Zephyr song and just make fun of the Chili Peppers in general. And so it wasn't, uh, I don't know, it wasn't until this album that, or Californication kind of got me into the Chili Peppers a little bit more, but this album is when I really started to listen to the Chili Peppers and then go back and listen to the things that they had previously done. So this was my, mm. my gateway really into the Chili Peppers, even though I'd heard songs before, and then obviously Californication, that music video, which will live in infamy forever as being... Yes. Horrible, horrible. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, by the way, by good the stuff. way, good stuff. It is, it is a good song. It is a good song. It's a good album. And uh, so, my origin story, real quick. The first song I remember ever hearing from them was "Suck My Kiss." Suck and my kiss. I saw. I remember seeing the music video on MTV. This was like right before I really started to get into music. So maybe like ninety six or ninety seven. Uh, I was watching the real world a lot. So I, I think I was from uh, through that. Maybe I saw it. I don't know. And I hated it. I thought it was terrible. Fucking hated it with a passion. And it wasn't until scar tissue came out when that video came out, it was shown so much on MTV and even more so on VH1. It was on VH1 so fucking much. It was so annoying, but that was that was when I started to like them, and then I actually wanted to go get the CD, so I convinced my mom to go to the store to get uh, Californication. And then I just listened to it a lot. And then as I got into high school, I still liked it, but it was one of those things where I was too embarrassed to listen to it. So <laughs> I would always hide it in my CD case, like behind another CD, or I'd put it at the back of the CD case so nobody ever saw it. And then I would listen to it like in secret because I was too cool. I was like, a, I was a new metal guy. I was a punk guy. So yeah. Because new metal I, was I, cool. I, yeah. <laughs> so I, there's no way I could be caught dead listening to Chili Pep- to the Chili Peppers. And then, you know, this album came out. Uh, I wasn't super into it when it came out. I, the only songs I liked were the singles of, or, or the three singles, the Zephyr song, uh, By the Way, and, oh my God, what is the song? Can't Stop. We just played. Can't Stop. Yeah. Outside of that, I never really listened to this record in high school. It wasn't until like years later where I actually listened to this 
as a whole and then really started to like it and really appreciate this band as a whole and their the little bit of their career that I had listened to. So that's my origin story. And then a little bit of, you know, my initial thoughts on the By The Way record. So what are your kind of initial thoughts on this one? So let's, I mean, that's fair. Like we both kind of have similar introductions and, and thoughts where we never really gave them a deep chance because we what we've heard in the late 90s, early 2000s has been kind of what formed our opinions on them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. My, my initial thoughts on the album were um, I, I have listened to this multiple times. It's been a long time since I've listened to this album in, in its entirety. Um, but going back to it this week, it kind of reinvigorated a lot of songs that I really, really love from this album and a lot of sounds that I really, really love from this album. And then now mm-hmm. that we've been doing like this pod thing for a while, now that we've gone like in this other journey of music, there's a lot more things that I've picked up that I really, really enjoy about this album as far as like soundscapes wise. But then there's also things that I think John Frusciante completely overstepped his bounds as a musician, as a band member. And whether it be like a deliberate attempt or just just something that nobody told him, like, hey, dude, you're taking a little too far type of thing. I think there are certain parts of this album that he 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 did take it too far. And yeah, I would agree. I, I think like, like like the biggest beef that came from this album is Flea and John Frusciante. Flea felt he was being pushed out. Flea thought that Frusciante was taking over the band. Flea, uh, Frusciante wrote a lot of bass parts and then gave them to Flea to play. Mm-hmm. And in in a weird like like turn of events, I guess from what I read, Flea played them instead of speaking up and saying like, "Hey, I don't want to play these because I think I can do them better." Flea played them, and it got to this yeah. boiling point where there was like a sit down where Flea and Frusciante had with each other, and Flea aired all of his grievances, and Frusciante was like, "Dude, I had no fucking idea. I'm really sorry," and he was really apologetic and really super nice about it, and they reconciled. And that's what caused Flea not to quit the band. But I think there's a lot of bass lines on here. There's a lot of songs on here that I think Flea played because Frusciante wanted him to play. Because this is some of the bass lines on this album are not Flea bass lines. They are fucking yeah. dumbed down <laughs> alt rock bullshit. Which are, they're still good. They're still solid bass lines, but they're not Flea caliber bass lines. Very true. I, I'm totally with you. I. You can hear it on almost on almost every song, you know that it's clearly not Flea. It's, it's. I don't even. I don't want to say run of the mill bass playing, but you know when you have somebody like Flea who is so, he has such a signature signature sound, and to not hear it, it's very obvious that it's it was weird. somebody else. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not. It doesn't se- seem right at all. So, and I kind of looked it up too. So obviously at this time, Frusciante was kind of like the dictator of the band. And I, I looked up to see when um, the Mars Volta record, The Last in the Comatorium, came out, just to double check. And that came out in, in 2003, like mid-2003. This came out in 2002, so a year before this. So I was kind of wondering if John kind of picked up on the what Omar was doing with Mars Volta after At the Drive-In, because obviously at the time, Omar was very much the dictator of what he was doing musically and really had really didn't have make anybody have any say in the band and even flea because flea was on Delouse. So 
maybe there's, a little bit of Omar rubbed off on John at for this sure. time period because he was hanging out with Omar a lot because at the time that Mars Volta had put out Tremulant, uh, but they were also John was also playing guitar in De facto. So De facto was playing live a lot, like locally in SoCal. And John was always was at a lot of those shows playing guitar, which is if you ever go on YouTube, fucking look up those videos because those videos are super rad because those songs don't have guitar on them, the de facto songs, but having John play on them, it gives them the whole different kind of like feel. It's really cool. But I, I honestly think it might be a little bit of because of Omar that John, you know, acted this way about the record unknowingly acted this way yeah because it, it's not like john's being a dick he's just he's progressing as a musician faster than these guys have because they've already been a band for over 10 years now and so john being a little bit younger than they are he is now progressing to where they were for like mother's milk era but now he's at that point progressing faster than they were and it's and it's I don't know. There's a lot of Omar. I hear a lot of Omar's kind of weird picking that you hear from like at the drive-in stuffs mm-hmm. from like a, like um, metronome arthritis, that kind of weird, like that weird picking yeah. all the way high in the neck. I hear a lot of that just with a lot of different soundscapes and then mixed in with like a little bit of the funk sound that we can kind of hear from this by the way album. But Frashante is taking the front seat because he's allowed to. This is a band that, that, I mean, dude, like the Chili Peppers have been on the verge of breaking up almost every single fucking album they've ever released. I know. It's like ridiculous. Every single album they release, they're on the verge of breaking up. And now you get this guy, Frashante, coming in. And every album that he's on, you just get better and better and better. And they know that. And they're coming off Californication, which is their biggest album Be, you know yeah. in hindsight uh, the blood magic sugar butthole album is very big <laughs> but not as big at the time as californication was at the time like that album it's blue it is their best selling record it was yeah. huge and Kiedis was cemented as his sound like his 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 sound his 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 brand, the shirt off with the jeans and even like the capris, <laughs> like that is now Kiedis. Long oh, hair. God, the capris, even yeah. Remember the top hat he used to wear too? The oh, fucking, he did. What a cuck, man. Yeah. Oh. Awful, awful stuff. And then Flea is now constantly shirt off. Oh. And then Chad Smith. Like they are they are now a brand at this point. But they had always kind of done the 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 shirtless thing, if not the naked thing with the the tube socks. Oh, the socks for sure. Yeah, they 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 that have, was very that was like early nineties, late eighties. They have 90s. been building a brand for a very very long time, and and Californication cemented that brand. Now, yeah. by the way, comes out, and now Frusciante is is taking a more you know in, in the driver's seat approach to writing music, and it didn't seem like a dictatorship as more of like I'm just going to be the the team captain at this point. Because everybody still has their time to shine, and everybody mm-hmm. still, I, I like you can still hear everybody do really, really well on this album, except for Flea. And Flea still has really, really great parts. It just seems like that type of of or that lack of communication between Flea and Frusciante led to an album that Flea didn't have a voice on, it didn't have a big voice on, because he still killed his fucking bass parts. Yeah, there's some great parts. There are some really great parts on this record. He just didn't but have it, had there big of a voice as 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 what, and then this is like I mean it's like you said like you have a guy that's a god at playing bass like one of the greatest bass players of all time, 
is now doing a mediocre record. For most people, this record would be insanely good as far as bass playing goes. But for Flea, yeah. it's mediocre. Even even what he played on DeLoust was more intricate and complex and interesting than the stuff on this. Yeah. You know, and yep. that was all Omar. Like Omar and Ava Gardner had written almost all the bass parts for that record and then they gave it to Flea to play that record and just the stuff that Omar was telling Flea to play was way more interesting and complex than the stuff on this. I think this is this is purely a John Frusciante record. That that's what this is. John Frusciante featuring Anthony Anthony Kiedis. That's what this record is. Yes. Which is really good. I mean this is this is definitely <laughs> one of the best fantastic. records. And at this point I think Frusciante had put out like maybe six or seven solo records up until this point. So he was obviously, I mean, some of those solo records are terrible, but there's some really good stuff in there. So he's obviously knows what he's doing and he's a learned musician. He's, he understands musical theory and he just knows he's just so, he's so fucking talented. And there's even a song on this record where Anthony Kiedis, his, the lyrics are pretty, are, it's just him praising John and how much of a musical genius he is and how lucky he is to be in this band, how lucky Anthony feels to be in this band and to be able to work with somebody like him yeah, and to write music with him, which is, I mean, that's, that's a big move for a, a lead singer. Or it's a tongue in cheek thing about how much he hates the fact that he's taken over this band. And It could have been, but then, but then you also, re- like, I don't know if you read this, but when when I was listening through all the records and I was kind of reading about their history a little bit because they have so much shit written about them that I maybe like I just scratched the surface on this fucking stupid band, but um, what I was reading was that after Frusciante left the first time, Anthony Kiedis realized that he needed somebody there to write music because he could he pretty much couldn't do it himself. He said he was only he was used to writing like a, an idea out like like a, a quick melody and then the song is created from that. So he said when he started working with Dave Navarro, Dave Navarro didn't work that way. It was the opposite. It was that Dave wrote the lyric or Dave wrote the the riff or the song and then Anthony would have to come in and then sing the lyrics over that or create the melodies himself rather than Frashante and Hillel where they came in and wrote after Kiedis had done it. So they write around Kiedis rather than the opposite way. Yeah. So that kind of it made me lose actually a lot of respect for Kiedis when I read that was that well, he, you gotta, he relied so much on Hillel and John. And then once, once Dave was thrown in there, it just, it just really threw a wrench in it. And then it also goes to show outside of the chili peppers, Kiedis is the only member who never did anything. He's never done anything musically outside of the band. He was in point break. I said musically <laughs> outside of the band. I was very, it was very, you know, precise with my wording there. Okay, yes, so he was in like, break, just, and he got his ass let's just, in that movie. let's just get it out of the way. Your your hatred for Kiedis is yeah, damn near Kiedis. unwarranted, because no, his image. I get it. His image is irritating. Him as a person, his voice, the things he says, the things that come out of his mouth, other than lyrics and singing, is a little irritating. He's not a bad singer. He is not a bad singer. When you li- when you hear him live from the fucking eighties all the way until today, he's not a bad singer. And the fact that he can that he can be in a band where a guy like Dave Navarro comes in and it kind of flips everything that Kiedis had known as to how to write a song, it gets flipped upside down and he still writes songs that are really good. 
He wrote songs before that were really good, and he wrote songs after that were really good. He's not a bad songwriter. I think he just gets a bad rap because of his image, but I also think that he's not a great songwriter because I think a lot of his songs are just straight stream of consciousness, but he acts like they're deeper than they are. And this this record, like, holy fuck, man. Like, reading some of these lyrics and, and reading some of the, the descriptions people gave of these lyrics, I'm just like, dude, no, he just, he's spitting out bullshit. And you're, <laughs> eating, up, and you're eating up like his porridge. It's bullshit. <laughs> but... But given all of that, I don't. I I like Kiedis. I think Kiedis is fucking perfect for this band. He is so perfect for this band because he has a good voice. He can rap. He can go high. He can go low. He can have. He he. At some points, he has like vocal fry, and he does like really slow stuff that sounds great. Oh, he can do yeah, really fast stuff. There's a lot of stuff Kiedis can do, and he does it all at least at least good, at least good, and. I, I think in doing that, it allows, it allows their guitarist because this band is is a, and it's kind of a knock to Flea, but this band is a, is a band that relies on their guitarist because Flea is so good because Flea is going to be there to hold everything together no matter what. This band is a, is a band that relies on their guitarist because Kiedis is going to be, Kiedis like Kiedis has not yeah. fucking changed since day one. He, he's the same fucking guy since day one. Chad Smith, he's not a great drummer. He's he's fine. He's great in this band, but he's not like great. Flea's, you know, top bass players of all time. But this band is a band that relies on their guitarist. Like they need yeah, a guitarist because, again, all of these things coming together. And when Frusciante comes in, and he's a guitarist that this band doesn't even know how to handle. Fucking Frusciante doesn't even know how to handle Frusciante. Like he's doing things that he doesn't even understand why he's doing it. And then we get a record like "By the Way," which I, 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 like on the highs of "By the Way," and we're talking "Can't Stop" is a good fucking song. It is uh, it is crazy. It is a it's really it's good my three B. It is crazy funk. It is it is one of the funkiest things that the Chili Peppers have ever done. It is insane. It is based off of a riff, and so let's make a riff and then let's write a song around it. That's some bizarre stuff that Keith is not used to. That the band's not used to. But they did it. I don't know who came up with the riff, but like, come on, dude, that is un that that is that is unbelievable stuff. It is insane. It is catchy. It is a perfect song through and through, except for the last part, which I wrote in my notes that that last <laughs> part was just Keita's probably the worst. fucking oh, so irritated you. Maybe uh, maybe the most irritating thing on the entire album for you. Oh, for sure, it's the most irritating <laughs> part of the entire record. It's, oh yeah, it's the read through part. Read through. He's like spitting in the mic. You, well, no, can, just, you can feel him fucking it's, it's, spitting yeah. into the mic. Like if it was like one word that he said with that with no with no instruments, if it was just his vocals. Okay, I can I can deal with it. <laughs> but it's like it's like an entire line, not not an entire bar, but an entire line of lyrics right there of just him a cappella. And it's just, dude, why why would you end a song like that? Oh, it's I will so say, gross. I it's will so say gross. too that that like 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 Kedis is. His way of, of enunciating every single syllable of every single word is is top notch. Like like there's never a time when you listen to the Chili Peppers where you say, "What did he say?" Like like what does that sound like? Like no, you know exactly what he's saying because of his way to 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 I don't know enunciate every single word, every single syllable, every single thing that he says. You know exactly what he's saying because of his his diction. 
He's a yeah, great it's presentation. Like, it's almost robotic. As if, <laughs> it's robotic, but it's almost as if he's um, he's like spasming when when he when he says certain words when he enunciates certain words. It's it's like he's he's like freaking out all the time, like he's tweaking. It's like like I don't know. It's oh, weird for sure. I don't the know if that's like has to do with like past drug issues where that's just like his kind of personality. But then when you see him in interviews, he's very quiet, very subdued and just very just I don't want to say monotone. Well, he's monotone. Yeah, he's monotone. But no, no, no knock to like what anything Kitas has gone through. But I think Kitas's entire life is a fucking act. I think <laughs> I think as far as a long con goes, everything he <clears> has <throat> said about like how his daddy used to blow marijuana smoke in his face as a baby and how his first hit was like 13. I think Kiedis' entire life is a fucking act. And uh, it's not a knock or anything. I, I just think he's in it for the long con. And I, I just, I, I think that he <laughs> See, needs I to... I don't agree with that. I think he needs to grow the fuck up. I think everything he does just, is, is, is based off of his image. His dad was an actor. His dad was a fucking actor. Like what better yeah, way to to build like a, an empire is to build a brand. Like brands sell more than anything. Johnny Depp has a brand. All of these Keanu Reeves has a brand. Even bad actors have a brand. Kiedis, he's a bad actor, but he has a brand. He's a brand, a multi million dollar too. brand. <laughs> True. Have you did you read how much some of these tours, how much they made on some insane of fuck the by Fucking the way nuts. tour? Yes. Are you kidding me? Well, not only even after Frusciante left, like the 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 stuff with I'm the I'm with you tour and the getaway tour or whatever those tours were fucking called. Dude, the stadium Arcadium won a Grammy for best packaging. How the, I didn't know those a fucking <laughs> thing <know>. to win. <laughs> but they're walking away on one tour, like maybe two and a half months, three months tops. They're making seventy five million dollars or some it, shit like that. They're they're a on fucking one brand. Tour. You know, even even if even if half of that okay, so say it's fucking seventy million dollars you're making on one tour, say half of that just goes to the band split four ways. You know, what what is that, thirty five million dollars split four ways? That's so much fucking money for three months of touring. That's so much fucking money. It, and it made me think like when, when Josh was in the band, he did the two records, he toured with them for ten years or whatever. He must have made so much fucking money being in this in this band. When he didn't write any of their big hits at all, but he still made the same amount as the other guys. Yeah, uh, touring. It's it's absolute fucking insanity. How much this band is worth? I really do. How I honestly, I honestly think like Kitty's entire existence is based off of of branding. I think I think early on, if not like when he was like five, there was a conscious decision by, by his dad, by him to to build a brand, and that brand also unfortunately delves around. Drug usage, heavy drug usage, and and for whatever fucking reason, I... he survived. And it, how bizarre is it though? Like, how the fuck did he survive? That's why I, I don't understand. I don't know if I necessarily necessarily believe it though. Believe the long con thing because, I mean, yeah, I think at this point he's 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 about sixty years old now. He's like the Keith Richards of that generation. You know, he should have been dead a long time ago. But I even but. I, with Anthony Kiedis, I feel like he went way harder than than uh, Keith Richards ever did. But maybe he you know? didn't. Maybe uh, he didn't go know. as hard as like he claims that he did. I don't know. 
And like the whole like River Phoenix thing and with Flea and like how Flea was supposed to play with River Phoenix at the Viper Room and River Phoenix OD and Johnny Depp and Flea. I don't know. It's just so Hollywood's a band... weird thing. I, I, I think honestly, I think the Red Hot Chili Peppers are a brand and I think they've been a brand since uh since Mother's Milk. Since so Mother's Milk. Let, let me throw this let me throw this out there for you. This theory out. What if this band, you know, they had put three records out. None of them were super successful. Mothers, I mean, uh, Uplift Mofo was, you know, it was slightly popular, but it, no main, real mainstream traction right there. And then Hillel dies. And then what if, you know, a label came in, whoever it was, came in and said, you know, if you do this, this and that, we'll, you know, pay free to be on the radio, on MTV and, and all this stuff. But we're gonna have to build your image around this, and then but we're gonna constantly push you guys, push your guys' music out, no matter what, as long as we get full control or we get X amount of you know revenue from tours and albums and all that stuff. What if that was the case? Because to go from uplift to mother mother's milk, that's, night that's and a day. huge transition. It's night and day. But not only that, look at look at how the single of me and my friends from uplift compared to suck my kiss and. No, Suck My Kiss was on... No, Suck My Kiss Under the Bridge were on Blood Sex. What the fuck was on Mother's Milk? Higher Ground. Yeah, Higher Ground, it, then my, the, the punk rock classic and, and the O-Town, yeah, but the, Crazy Town. But those weren't... But those were, yeah, but those weren't singles. So, like, what if they had gotten with a label and then they made a deal with the label saying, you know, we'll do whatever you say, we'll this and that, as long as, you, we'll, as, long as you, we can, like, paint a certain image around like what if they're like the Lincoln Park of this era because Lincoln Park is very they seem like a very record label band like we've talked about in the past like not a real band what if the I think the Chili Peppers might have been like that I dude, I wouldn't be surprised in any of those slides I, I I think the Chili Peppers are honestly a, a record label band and I think that I, I don't think a record label would ever tell their their clients hey we're going to give you money therefore we want you to do what we want you to do I think it'd be more like, hey, we're going to give you an advanced. You should uh, pick up your check at the fucking Trump Hotel Plaza in in New York, and then when they get there, it's it's full of fucking hookers and blow. And like, what do you think they're gonna do? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they, like, yeah. the, like a record label would never outright say we want you to do hookers and blow, but if they're there and you do it, then it's on you type of thing. I I think. Honestly, I think this fucking I think Kitas has a has a has a as a brand of himself since like the eighties. And I think the only reason why Kitas is even good, and I've realized it because of this album, is because of Flea. And I like Kitas' vocals. Yeah, I and so. I and I like I, I don't I think he's a really good singer. I think he's a re- actually a really good singer. And he he can be annoying, but I think he's only good because Flea is so much better at the bass that Flea knows when to hit those higher octaves to supplement Kiedis's vocals or to hit those lower octaves to kind of like undercut Kiedis's vocals. That's how good Flea is at the bass. It's possible. But then you have to throw in John, who really supplements the the space and the lack of Anthony Kiedis vocally because he really fills in those gaps with those vocals. I think I think on this album specifically, John wanted to do an airy, lighthearted, psychedelic, different album than they've ever done. Kiedis was not having it. Flea could have 
done a good job. Had it been had him and had him and Frusciante networked and talked about it, I think Flea could have could have carried the torch. But for whatever reason, they did not talk about it, and that was like a big thing where it blew up and whatever we talked about it yeah, already. Which we talked about, but. I think I think Kiedis is just kind of like, yeah, what do you want me to do, bro? Like a typical like fucking <laughs> surfer guy. Like, what do you want me to do? Okay, I can do that. And then while Frashante <laughs> and, and Flea were like, like you know, uh, surreptitiously fighting with each other, and Chad yeah, Smith guys, you know? being, uh, you know, just being a, a studio drummer, it just kept up with it all, and it was fine. Yeah, and he's just there for the ride. Yeah. And again, he's not a bad drummer, but he's not like he's 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 not one of the greats. No, he's not. He's not in the top one hundred. But no. he's still fucking great. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, so so let, let's talk about some of the songs real quick. Because I mean, we could talk so much about the history and and our little theories and stuff like that. So, uh, so can't stop. We obviously already played. We talked a bit about the music. You know that that funk guitar playing, and how you know obviously the song was kind of. It seems like the song was written musically, and then Kiedis came in to to kind of fill in the little gaps there, which is kind of different from. What at least what we were reading, or at least I was reading about the songwriting of this band. But lyrically, what do you have on "Can't Stop"? Well, I mean, dude, there's so many fucking Not words in this song. There's so <laughs> many goddamn words in this song, and it's just it's just kind of all over Every the place song. on Kiedis's life, and I don't know what he's experiencing at the moment, or he's been drugs, relationships, feelings, whatever. Um, I don't know. I, I think it focuses overall on just being human and making mistakes. There's a lot of experiences he speaks about. And, and when the bridge hits, he's he's now like relating the experiences to us, the listener, I guess, and asking like how we would cope with the same problem that he's gone through. I don't know. I, I There's just too many fucking words here. But um, I know. His lyrics were hard for me because there's a lot of like, there's just a lot of word vomit. And a lot of it to me doesn't really connect. And, you know, when you kind of hear other people's breakdowns of it, it's either about drug addiction or him being wildly in love with a girl. There's like no in between. There's nothing else, which is fine. But when you throw in, you know, five or six verses, a couple choruses, and that's just a lot of words, man. A lot it's of just, different words. It's just a lot so. of fucking words, which is fine. And, then, and, and I wish. I wish he would just come out and say, like, I write music based off of just words that fit the rhythm because Can't Stop is, like, l- the best example of writing words to fit rhythm. Yeah, and what you said about him delivering, like, a stream of consciousness, that that's the perfect way to describe it because that's what it is because a lot of the times it's nonsensical. I feel like what you were saying, too, where a lot of people are looking way too deep into his lyrics you know, it, 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 I don't feel like that's right because it, it's just just him going on and on and on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not up. as deep as people think it is. No, so it's not. That's, they, that's my belief. Not any of this album is as deep as people think it is. And like, my God, I spent way too much time fucking reading about his lyrics on this album, and, and they're great and they're cool. But I, I they, they sound cool. But I, I, I think that's it. He just he he writes lyrics to make them sound cool, and they do sound cool, and they're fine. But there's nothing deep there. Agreed. Agreed. I guess a junkie or a fake junkie. Oh God! I think he's a fake junkie. I do. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It is kind of weird when when you think about it too. So much has written been written about Anthony Kiedis, but not the rest of the members. Maybe John 
a bit, but only because John's done so much outside of the band. John's almost he almost fucking died. He is a junkie that almost died. Yeah, like Halil they, died. I mean, he he's dead. Like the, and there's like, physical. How how the fuck is Anthony Kiedis not has gone away with like nothing but just a skinny body? True. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. And you know when when I was reading about the Chili Peppers about every the making of every record, the controversy beti- behind the recording of every record. Kiedis was the one he was essentially like the bad guy the villain in every instance he was the reason why the band almost broke up he was the reason why you know this record took longer to make he was he never showed up to the recording sessions he was strung out he was you know trying to to help Hillel while still shooting heroin (laughs) like Anthony Kiedis every step of the way is the only member ever talked about but like you said for Shantae there's literal literal video evidence of him like on his deathbed. Like that video of him in his apartment after he quit the Chili Peppers the first yeah. time. It's it's scary looking. He looks like he's dead. You can still Google just for Shante arms and you can see oh, the, yeah. the, how the track horrible the skin grafts that were on his fucking arms. It's Yeah. It's sad. Oh, dude, it's it's insane. It's absolutely I mean, insane. Again, this is all speculation. And not to say that Kiedis' drug problems are, are any less than for Shante's. I don't know. I just personally think that Kiedis is a, uh, I don't know. I, I think, think a lot a has con. been. I think he's a long yeah. con. Maybe, I think too much has just been written about him. And he's not that interesting of a guy. I really don't think he is. I think that's the drugs. I think I think the drugs come in to to, to make him more interesting. I, I think he knows that he continues to do it. All right. So can't stop is your three B, right? Yeah. Okay. So what's so that's my four B. Uh, do we have any stinkers on this? We haven't even talked about stinkers. No, yet. no stinkers. Okay. I have, so I, have I no stinkers. I have three almost stinkers, but they're Ooh. not quite there. What do you guys so, almost stinkers go? Uh, I could die for you. That's a possible stinker. Okay. Uh, Midnight is another almost stinker. Okay. And then the last one, Don't Forget Me. Okay. And I think you know why that is an almost stinker. All but right. So let's, uh, let's, I guess we'll take it from the top, right? I Could Die For You. That's an almost stinker. Yes. That is a slow that, song. That is my 7B. How is that a B? That because, no, I, because you don't like Kitas. You don't like, you don't like it. I, I don't like, at all. No. I like I how really he don't. sings. I like the pacing of it. I like how it's broken up in the first chorus. I think it's great. I like Flea's playing. But uh, okay, I get it. I get it. I could die for you. That's fine. <laughs> we can move on. But do you, you don't see the other connection here? For what? I do could you not die see for the you? other connection here? Yeah. To which no, one? no. Oh, oh, wait. No, no. I was thinking of, never mind. I was thinking of a different song. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. I could die for you, yeah. Yeah, then yeah. what what was the I was thought you were talking about a different song. Sorry, my bad. Uh so then Midnight, another slow song, boring. Oh yeah, Midnight. Really that, that, that's right after. That's right after I could die for you. I th- I thought this song was filler. This is filler yeah, song. Yeah. But it's pretty good filler. It's pretty good filler. But um I don't mm-hmm. know. It's just a lot of music layered and it's just uh this is one of those. This is when I really. This is when I really realized that, like, dude, Kiedis just talks about himself all the fucking time, all the fucking time. Like, this is like a love song, but it's just about Kiedis loving himself. I don't know. Bad. Okay. <laughs> and then what was the other one you didn't like? Wait, were you was were you cutting out, or did you think you were cutting out? 
I don't think no, I was cutting right. out. I mean, how would I possibly think I'm cutting out? I'm talking. Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what, I don't know. Because you, well, no, you were you were cutting out to me. But sometimes when when you cut, okay, so sometimes when you cut out, I, the way you talk is different. Because you, I think you you expect me to jump in at certain parts, and when I don't, because it's cutting out, you kind of trail off a little bit. I uh, noticed that. So. So then when I hear like, when I hear it try to catch up with itself, I could hear you, your tone change a bit. Your tone changes. So. My tone has not changed except for being disappointed in the fact that you are ridiculous in some of your rankings. That's it. <laughs> so yeah, Midnight, Midnight is, is an almost stinker. And then the other one that's an almost stinker, very close to being a stinker, is Don't Forget Me. So you said now, Midnight and then Don't Forget Me. Well, let's see where Don't Forget Me is. Oh, it's dude, don't forget me. It's my 4B. <laughs> oh, you would. You fucking got It's my fucking 4B. Uh, okay. Okay, I'm, I'm interested why. Let, let's get into this real quick. Why? So first of all, I thought this was hilarious because this is the song that fucking Joe would play. And I texted exactly. him. I texted exactly. I texted him. Said, I said, dude, I'm listening to Don't Forget Me. Do you remember this? He's like, yeah, it's a fucking fantastic Chili Pepper song. It's, it's a killer bass line. <laughs> so, uh, the dude. Yes, I know. Oh, so, my God. So, is is that why you don't like it? Because it's just, we've heard it a thousand times? Well, first of all, it's a very slow song, which I you know I don't think they do well. The other is, yes, I've heard that, that, that riff, dude, thousands of times because of Joe. Like, <laughs> I love Joe, but man, dude, he would play this song oh, so much. What's like, it, <laughs> whenever whenever we would go practice, any time we would stop, like the us as a band would stop playing. <laughs> literally, the first thing he would start doing is playing the riff to this song. I, I just that that just that one riff right there. <laughs> it's the riff of the entire song. I know. <laughs> And he would just, and then while like all of us were like kind of chatting or talking about what we're going to do next, Joe would just be playing this while we were talking. You know, he just, he would always fucking play this. This or, um, uh, what else would he play? Sweet Child of Mine, right? Yeah. That was another one he would play a lot just to like fuck with us. This song is cool because. Because this is very that that, that bass line is very reminiscent of uh, other side from Californication, even though Not it's like a bass good. slash guitar part. But you can almost hear Keith coming in with the how long, how long after <laughs> the "Don't Forget Me" riff. Like it's it's very yeah. very very similar, very similar, even like in <laughs> his timing. But dude, Frusciante's solo is so goddamn cool. It's verbed up so damn nice. And it just matches the dramatic, kind of sort of impending doom sound of the song. And there's a couple parts yeah. here where Flea does like the Flea thing. And he adds like 55 fucking more notes to the riff in like three seconds. And this is where you wonder if it's stemming from him kind of just being mad and doing the Flea thing no matter what everyone else said. And for Sean to say, hey, you should do this riff because this is what I wrote. And Flea's like, yeah, I'll do that riff. That do do because it's not a flea riff. Flea's never done any fucking. It's like he's strumming. He's strumming a guitar chord. That's essentially what he's like. This is like Flea's pissed doing this riff because it's so fucking basic. 
And so you think like this is a John Frusciante riff that that Flea is unhappy about about doing because they didn't hash out their differences until after the album came out. So I don't know. It's <sighs> it's a cool fucking. I I, I love this song a lot. It's for it's it's my four beat. My four beat. Okay. This is very much a very drum or no a very bass and vocal driven song. There's some cool underlying guitar playing. If like you really kind of paying attention and listening, you can hear some cool stuff layered in there below the surface but dude that bass riff is just so loud in the mix and it's the entire song it's the entire fucking song i wonder if uh skip knows how to play this song i'm sure he does i think every uh, bass player probably knows how to play this song because this is probably like the bass equivalent of like iron man or or, or crazy train <laughs> or or fucking smoke on the water or no. some s- o-town yeah. yeah or o-town <laughs> o-town yeah <laughs> Yeah, I just I can't I I totally forgot this song was on the record, so when it came on, I was uh I was just so caught off guard that I I had to, I stopped the song and I was just laughing, and I couldn't decide whether or not I wanted to listen to the rest of the song. <laughs> like I really was thinking about not listening to the song because oh you gotta I've heard the that best memories so, it's the best memories I mean it was so much fun yeah we had I mean it was it was so much fun you know just fucking around and jamming but. Damn, dude, I... Oh, fucking Joe, man. <laughs> so good. It's so funny. Oh, uh, what a knucklehead. What is What is your What is your 1B? Uh, what do you think it is? What do you think it is? I think it's Zephyr song. Oh, it's 100% the Zephyr song, yeah. yeah. I, it, that's yeah. my 1B, too. It's hard not this to is, choose Zephyr song. It's so this stupid. This is their second best song. It's so, it's so over the top. This is the only time where where I also think Kiedis is so over the top that it works. Yes, yes. That's it. He sings in a higher register in parts too. It's something he doesn't do a lot. He he's he he's generally pretty much monotone in his vocals, but he every once in a while he'll throw in like a high part. I don't want to say false. It's not falsetto at all, but it's just a little bit higher than he normally does. And this song is one of those, and it 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 really gives the song a lot of character. And I, and I do praise him a lot on this song, which I obviously I don't do because Keita is not that great, but in this song he is. And then on top of that, you throw the, all the electronic sounding stuff in there and man, this is a fucking banger of a song. It's unbelievable how good the song is. It's, it's, it's fucking perfect. The intro is fantastic. It's soft. It's angelic for Shanti's riff under Kitas, Dude, oh, it man. is so good. And then Flea slays it. Him and Frusciante doing their own thing at the same time, right? But it's yeah. a little bit different. It works so damn well. And then my favorite part of this whole thing, which is just, it's so amateur. I hope it's so, the same thing. I it's, it's so the same basic. Thing. It's just the transition that, that Chad Smith does to the chorus. The oh, okay. I thought you were going to say it. something else. That is it. Okay. That's my favorite so part. That, I mean, that part obviously is really awesome, too. But what I was I thought you were gonna say is you know after the 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 bridge part of the song, it goes back into the choruses. But then, you know the the first beat into the chorus is like that electronic cheer sound, like crowd cheer. Yeah. But then Frusciante is doing those harms behind Kitas. Oh my God, dude! The song, the song is is perfection in how basic it is. 
Yeah. It's just unbelievable how good this song is. And there's so much layering with his guitar playing and there's so much going on, but it's never up front. That's like the genius behind Frashante on this record is that he never throws his guitar playing up front. You just have to really listen and hear the dynamics on both sides of the the mix, the stereo mix. Dude, it, this song is fucking unbelievable. This is the second best uh, Chili Pepper song ever. Damn. That's... This is without a doubt. Right on that, time and Zephyr song, two best songs is, they've ever written. That is, that, that, those are big words coming from me because this, I mean, to an untrained ear, this is a very annoying Chili Pepper song. Kitas can be very annoying, and we have made fun of Kitas since like the day this came out. Yeah, that that do 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 like that <laughs> type of thing. We have made fun of him yeah. still to this day. Yeah, absolutely. You can't help but not do it. It's like a, it's like a weird uh, melodic scat thing that he kind of does, but it's just dumb. And this is also one of those songs where John's harmony is some of the best he's ever done. Outside of Right on Time, the way he harmonizes with Kitas, because his voice is so high that it's just this perfect this perfect balance of a low and high and. Dude, Frashante is just an unbelievable songwriter. He really, truly is an unbelievable songwriter. He's great. One of the I greatest know, of all I, time. I, I agree. I agree. Well, songwriters? He's, I mean... All time? Well, when you take Kiedis out of it, if you listen to these songs outside of Kiedis, yeah, these songs are like beautiful sounding songs. They're absolutely amazing. But okay. it's Kiedis that ruins a lot of it, man. I'm telling he's, you, it is. He doesn't. He's fine. I, again, I, your 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 hatred for Kiedis is 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 exponentially more than it should be. <laughs> you should, fine. I don't. You should fuck. you should think he's annoying at most. I um, think he's a he's a really great frontman, without a doubt. Great frontman, not a good singer, not a great songwriter. So I, I think like the opposite. I think he's a great singer for the band. But as a frontman, I think he's fucking annoying. I think he ruins his band as a frontman. I think he, I think he hypes his band up in a way that makes the band seem like a joke, like cartoonish, <laughs> because he's cartoonish. Uh, he's yeah. a good singer. Because if you listen again, if you listen to him live, even still to this day, he's a good singer. He sounds the same as he did, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's great. It's not great. But it's good. You hear a it's lot fine. of these guys that sing like live, and they like, damn, you sound bad. <laughs> What's well, because the the bar is so low with Kiedis. So it's like it's like what uh, what did Vince Vaughn say in Dodgeball? He said, "Just keep your expectations low. That way, you'll never be disappointed." That's how Anthony Kiedis is. Damn, is that what he said in Dodgeball? Yeah, it was in Dodgeball. Yeah, it was something. Was in... a lot, I, I might be paraphrasing it, but. Yeah, he, he said that in Dodgeball. He said, I keep my expectations low, so when I am disappointed, or he said, so I'm never disappointed. Damn, because that, like that. that was in the new Spider-Man. That was what MJ said. She says- Was it okay. really? Yeah, like something almost damn near verbatim <laughs> to that. And it was really good the way yeah. she said it, but now I, I don't like I don't like that. Well, the way Vince, Vince Vaughn, Vaughn said it, you know, Vince Vaughn is very, he said it much better than I did. And then it was, it was the scene where- um, What's Ben Stiller's wife's name? Forgot her name. Yeah. But it's when she I'm goes over to his it. house and she's like looking through all of his receipts and then that's when he's telling he tells her that and she says something like, Oh, I feel really sorry for your your way of thinking or something like that. And he kinda like shrugs it off. <laughs> but 
I I just can't believe that like that like Ben Stiller and his wife could be in the same movie together and Ben Stiller play a character that is so stupid, so <laughs> pathetic in front of his wife. I just how, like, how do you go home and like talk about the day? You know what I mean? It's so <laughs> bad. True. That's very true. <laughs> I love it's that so movie, man. Bad. <sighs> what a great movie. Fantastic right. movie. And then uh Z- okay, so back back to Zephyr song. I feel like this is probably the first time they've ever really dabbled in electronic stuff, like really dove into the electronic stuff. And with an electronic this is kind of like an electronic beat at the beginning and during certain parts that was never really touched upon again until the getaway, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. For no, absolutely. So, That's why I love the getaway so much, is because I mean, that's the most unchilly pepper album they've ever done. But that is when they dove into the electronic sound without without relying on computers. They did it themselves. But there was still the yeah. electronics there. And that's exactly what this song is like. And I wonder how much of it has to do with Rick Rubin because obviously Rick Rubin didn't do the getaway record. But I wonder how much John wanted to add electronics to it, but then Rick said, pretty much said no. And this is still I pretty, know. I mean, John's still pretty young at this point. So even though that he has some time under his belt, he has some recordings under his belt, he's still a pretty young dude. And Rick Rubin is still a pretty seasoned veteran. And so no matter what, even the, no, no matter how hot you think you are, a seasoned veteran can still talk you out of the ideas that you think that you have. Yeah, that's true. It's true. So that I would make John, sense. John might have been like our age when he made this record. Which is still pretty young, considering that Rick Rubin had fucking already done BC Boys in like the eighties. Like, come on, like, <laughs> the BC boy Boys Slayer. Uh, yeah, right. the fuck else? I mean, he's just done. I mean, in the nineties he did so much. I like, can't even he's think right he's now got like twenty years on 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 Frusciante as far as like like report card goes. Yeah. So it, it makes sense. It makes sense. Zephyr Song One yeah. B, easy, easy peasy, lemon right. so squeezy. Let's play a little bit of the Zephyr song. I'm not even going to fade it. I'm just going to start it from the beginning. Here we go. Coming down. 
There you go. The Zephyr song from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Ooh, what a banger. What Part's a fucking so banger. so catchy, that is. too. <laughs> it is. And, and anybody, listening to the, anybody listening to the podcast right now, go to, like, don't just listen to these songs on the podcast. Go listen to, like, on a stereo mix because what you're listening to now is a mono, but you got to listen to this record, you know, with earbuds in or headphones, whatever, just to hear the, the nuance of it all. It's, it's a beautifully crafted record and just a great song. This is just a great song. So, I like, I like for Shante's kind of ambition in how clean his guitar tone has pretty much always been since he's been with the Chili Peppers. How he That's doesn't true. need to ever hide behind distortion or effects. How even especially in this song too, it's just how clean he's 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 okay with hitting those notes. And how great he is as a guitarist. Because we, we talk about how great guitarists are, but a lot of times, like Navarro, who we've never really heard outside of just like distorted metal guitar. We've never heard Navarro play like clean blues, so we don't know how True. good he is. Like like Frusciante, he was 100% not afraid to ever do that in the Chili Peppers. He's that fucking good. That's what it is. That he confident. Yeah, that confident, that good. It's remarkable. His, his tone from the very beginning has just been top-notch. It really, really has. With very little distortion or overdrive or even very little effects up until up until this record, really, because even on Californication, he doesn't, do a, he doesn't have a lot of effects. And on Mother's Milk and Blood Sex, there's some, like, reverb and some wah stuff but nothing crazy it's not until no. this where he really he really buckles down and gets experimental and a lot of that i think is due to his relationship with omar from the mars volta and at the driving because omar is at the time especially was known for having like two levels of pedal boards that's how many like 20 pedals on each level like that's how many how much shit he had on stage i think he was kind of taking a lot from omar at this time yeah, and it, it makes sense because Omar, I mean, th- that amount of pedals is, is uh, to the untrained ears, now making it indistinguishable from a computer. Yeah, yeah. But songwriting skills, you know, whatever. But for Shante seeing that and thinking, like, I need to make a name for myself, so, like, this guy has 20 pedals. Let me see how a clean guitar sounds through just a nice vintage amp that has a little bit of distortion on it and that's what the solo sounds like in the zephyr song is just it sounds like a clean guitar run through like what i have is an old 70s pv amp that has like a little bit of distortion to it, a little bit of gain to it and that's yeah. what it sounds like and it sounds like a guy who's kind of starting over who's resetting who's making a name for himself by taking it back down to basics but that's not something you you do you know, 10 years into your career that's true, true. that's that's something you do like when you start off, and then for for Shante to kind of, I don't know, humble himself in that aspect is 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 fantastic. But he still does experiment, but he experiments a lot with pedals too. He, uh, he like, experiments a lot on this record when it needs to be experimented with the Zephyr song, the solo when everyone's expecting a solo, and he goes the beep 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 beep. Yeah, that solo, yeah, yeah, yeah. and when he dumbs it down like that. When everyone's listening, when everybody's watching, like that's what makes a great guitarist is someone who says like, hey, 
now that you're all looking at me, check it out. I can do without anything. Yeah, and it's like it's like when it counts the most. It. It's when it when it counts the most and it's the most flashy. He'll dumb it down and strip it down. But when to texturize the song and and fill in the gaps in the space, that's when he throws in all these the 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 different pedals and different variations. But yeah, like yeah, I, I agree with you. When when he's doing the soloing or doing like the main riff, it'll generally be pretty clean and not a lot on there. For like for guys like, like us. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Which would tell you he's, he's still a really good guitar player. Yeah, but I like, mean, yeah, it's not knocking Tom Morello. He is amazing. But, but, but for like guys like us who are listening to like the entire song, the soundscapes that he's using, we are attaching ourselves to like 85% of it. And thinking like he's so great, he's amazing, I love it. And then when the solo comes, generally we kind of taper off and think like, okay, here comes a solo. And then yeah. he—that's when he—that's when a normal guitar player would would ramp everything up and and accelerate the overdrive and 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 put into high gear for all of the all of the the fair weather people, and that's fine. But the way he dumbs it down. It captures those fair weather people because the fair weather people are kind of like, oh wow, this is a little unconventional. But then it even more so captures us because we're thinking like, holy shit, this is the complete opposite of where I thought you were going. Yeah, this makes exactly. no fucking sense. Like th- this is nobody does this. Why are you doing this? And why does it sound so fantastic? And we all know full well that he can shred if he wants to. Of he, course he, he did. Yeah, absolutely. He, he did it in the early days. Like he was very well. He was very well adverse at shredding. He could easily throw out like a Jimi Hendrix song and make it sound amazing. But he can squeal. Yeah. He can shred. He can bend. Yeah. He could slide. He can do what the fuck he wants to do. Even like on a song like Scar Tissue, the amount of sliding he does on that song, and how just like, I mean, take Kiedis out of that song, like how just beautiful his guitar tone sounds and his playing sounds like it's it's absolute perfection (laughs) just that that song stripped down is just fucking amazing damn man what a what a fucking guitar player what a fucking songwriter what a guitar player what is have you have you ever heard have you ever heard his solo record the empyrean i don't think so did you get that one on the vinyls no no i wanted it for a while but it's expensive maybe i haven't heard that one then but it's um it's dude that record is fucking amazing i think it came out right after stadium arcadium or like right when stadium arcadium did and it's uh dude it's it's fucking so good man oh you know what? i did bring one song i did bring one song to the pod like a couple of years ago but and i know you really liked it you really liked it a lot but that album as a whole i think now that we've done this week with Chili Peppers, I think you'd really like that record, that solo record. It's so <laughs> fucking good. The Empyrean. Check it out. Everyone check it out if you haven't already. I mean, I, I've, so like I've heard, I've heard a lot of John stuff, and John's done a lot of stuff, and in, in like the Ataxia stuff that he did with Josh. Like yeah, he's done a, cool. that he's just done a lot of really, really cool shit, and he just seems like a really, really cool dude that's gone through some really, really horrible shit, and and I don't know. Every I've never read like an interview or or seen him in anything where he's not just been like, yeah, I don't know, I'll move forward, type of vibe. Yeah, yeah. Like, eh, I'm still here. I'll move forward. It kind of makes me wonder. Dying like several times. It also makes me wonder why you don't like that Frashante and Omar record, that acoustic one. 
that I love so much. I know, honestly, I, I it's may... probably because I like it so much. That's probably <laughs> why you don't like it because I <laughs> yeah. like it so much. It is quite possible, but but damn, like the last time I li- actually the last time I listened to it was last year around this time, and I just I I it's dumb. Just couldn't do it. It's just dumb. I don't understand. It's just dumb. It's just stupid. It's, that's I mean, you dumb. want to talk about stripped down? I mean, it's no, fucking it's stripped down. That is dumb. That's fine. Oh, man, I love that record. That is that's it? my holy grail. That is my vinyl holy grail right there. It's not like Dashboard Confessional stripped down. Oh, it's but like it's, uh, yeah, that's fine. Hundred percent better than, than <laughs> Dashboard. <laughs> anyway, so what you were about to say something? What is uh, no? That was um, so Zephyr song is both of our one Bs. Correct. Are we doing two Bs now? What's yeah. Your wait, what's your two B? No. What's your two B? Oh, my two B. You want your two B? Yeah. No, your two B. Don't don't do this. Okay. My my two B is Cabron, baby. That's my two B too. Oh damn, Gina. Two B two. This was uh this was funny so because good. I had completely forgotten about this song for damn near a decade. <laughs> yeah. And and this was uh this was a staple. Friend of the pod, John. Love this song. I love this song in high school. John was, did? Dude, John loved this song. What? Because it's Cabron. And we just say Cabron, Cabron. And the way Keita sings it though, the with the with the rolling the R's. Oh, it's so janky. Yeah. <laughs> Cabron. It's just it's so bad. He sings it awful. But I, I love this. I love the heavy bass. I love that the bass like in the drums just drive this song forward. Love the strumming. Love the picking. Love the sound. This is dude, for uh, this is this is like one of my best this is one of my favorite Frusciante songs on the album. Because Frusciante comes in and it's so great and it's awesome. But then he hits a solo. And the solo oh, yeah. is so like slide the and it's just like this weird country twang with Spanish shit thing going on. And it's I don't know. But then even like the picking, the do 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 it's just it's oh, janky, God, but it's almost to the point where it's like janky enough to be bad, but it's not quite there. It's just everything about this is very wholesome, it's very real, it's very as Feldman would say, first take, best take type of feeling to it. First I, thought, best I, thought. First thought, best thought. There you yeah. go. I, I think the song is absolutely fantastic. And it's, it's uh, I don't know. It's It's got a sloppy edge to it. Uh, I wouldn't say sloppy, but I feel like it was very, um, it, w- it was very, uh, God, first thought, best thought. It is very much that, but... I wouldn't even say sloppy because John is too good to make it sloppy. If you listen to like like good flamenco guitarists, like that, ding 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 ding, you can yeah. hear. I mean, maybe I'm just comparing him to like Sabikas or like Django or anybody else that's uh, iconic. So that's maybe, maybe that's not even fair to Frusciante. Maybe that's not it's that's not even fair. maybe that's even more fair to Frusciante that I'm comparing him to like the greatest <laughs> flamenco guitarist of all time, but. But I don't know, just 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 hearing him pick every single note, and you can hear when his fingers are transitioning into the next note, and and I mean I mean yeah, you're like Django Reinhardt, like that's that's, that's maybe for Sean to be super excited that I'm comparing him to Django Reinhardt, but <laughs> it's uh it's I guess I I guess I'll stop there because that's not fair, that's not fair. <laughs> but I I know what you mean though, it, it's those clean. Single notes that he plays straight into the chord. 
<laughs> it's almost that 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 dun, 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 bum, bum, bum. it's very um it's very like metallica like if you if you strip down metallica to the most acoustic way you could that's a metallica song right there it's the it's the high part with the dun 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 it's like master of puppets it. you know like, no, seek and destroy too it's kind of like the same yeah, way seek and destroy yeah it's it's very much that 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 way if you were to strip down a metallic certain metallica songs to the most basic level that's kind of what cabron is um but dude i just and like you said the, how how gr- he's such a great guitar player that you can hear every single note he's single note he's playing just absolutely perfectly there's no there's no fuck up like he's not like missing the fret just a little bit so you hear a little bit of like a like a ring or or like a like a dead note or or anything yeah you hear no buzz you hear no dead notes there's nothing it's all just perfect like it's pretty crazy for a guy who's never shown any sort of inclination toward flamenco guitar or any sort of spanish guitar and you hear this like it's it's pretty big i mean i think it's pretty basic but he's done it so well and Dude, this song is just so great. And even Kiedis doesn't even bother me. Yeah, the lyrics are kind of cheesy or actually very cheesy, but it just adds to like the, um, I guess kind of the, the, the care, f- uh, lyrically it's very carefree in a way when you mix it with the, the music. I mean, lyrically from what I understand, this is about like him, cr- his criticism of like gang violence in LA but I feel like it's done in a very carefree way. Like, let's like stop being, you know, let's stop the violence and let's just have like a good time. Let's have fun. Let's like love each other. And I feel like this song really pushes that, his feelings, you know? Yeah. I think this is an amazing song. This is my 2B. I mean, like like you, this is my 2B. It's an amazing this is song. such a great song. It I, really I, is. My only my only problem is the way Kiedis is Cabron. I think it's it's so irritating. It's so... It's so gringo. It's so whitewashed. It's so, <laughs> so forced. Yeah, it is. It is. Like, there's no reason the why you can't just say Cabron. Like Cabron, he's Cabron. It's just a little bit the extra R role as it bothers me. He tries a little, a little hard on that one. <sighs> All right, so I'm gonna play a little bit of the song. So here it is, uh, Cabron from the Red Hot Chili Peppers.
There you go. Cabron from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So normally flamenco players, they they play with their fingers, right? Like they don't, they never use a pick, right? Yeah. When, when I'm listening to this song, especially right now, it kind of sounds like he is playing with a pick. Like he's not, he's not oh, doing he's the for sure thing. playing with a pick. Yeah. It's way too sharp of a sound to, to be playing with his fingers. Like it's, and it's I think, too I precise. Think, I think that's because he doesn't want to be a flamenco player. He wants to be John Frusciante playing flamenco sounds. Yeah, and, that makes and, sense. That makes and that's fine. And that's why you get a lot of the, the, the silences in between each note. Because yeah, like a good yeah. flamenco player is going to start and stop each note as each other is playing, and so like you hear like Sabikas or or or, or Django Reinhardt, you hear these guys that are playing notes, and then one note is starting at the same time the other one is stopping. So there's zero, the the there's no downtime. There's no downtime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in, in Frusciante's playing, you're getting downtime, but I think Frusciante's so damn good that he knows who these players are. Or maybe he doesn't. I don't know, but well, he he's does. come on. He's, I mean, who knows? Because there's there's prodigies out there that 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 will that will play really really good instrumentation without knowing the backstory of said instrument. I guess it's, to an extent, but he's too he's too well versed. There's no way he doesn't. I think it's that's too close to silly boy talk. I don't know. It's possible. It's possible. I. I I don't know. He God, Frusciante's so fucking good. It's it's just it's it's stupid and it's annoying. It's not and fair. I and I think those those silences in between each note is deliberate. And he uses a pick deliberately because this band is not as good as Django Reinhardt. <laughs> Had he played a smooth, fluid flamenco style, it would just it would sound weird. It would sound weird with the cabron, cabron. It also, I think flamenco is it's tends to be played on nylon strings, mm-hmm. and I, this this is not nylon. Nylon strings don't sound like this. This is definitely a steel string guitar. So I think that adds to like the the abrasiveness of it as well. And on top of that, he's hitting those chord those notes and those chords really hard. Yeah. Like, like it's like he's like blowing it. Like they probably had to turn down the mic because he was blowing it out. That's because he's hitting that shit so fucking hard. Yeah, that's that's his style of like trying to be like one of the greats, but not sacrificing his need to want to be heard. Yeah, which is yeah. fucking which is rock and roll, which is so cool. <laughs> like, like rock oh, and roll man. is is made. You know, what was that? What was that? That's that that Skrillex thing. Like no one, none of these are musicians because no one can none play the play guitar. The guitar, guitar, guitar. <laughs> you hear the guitar fade off. Yeah, like right. rock and roll is made to be annoying. It's made to be to be <laughs> in your face. It's made to be fucking. I don't know. Fucking the punk is made from rock and roll, right? I don't know. What, 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 what don't am know I what looking for? Know. I, don't I don't know what I'm looking for. Here. I'm looking for a word. <laughs> I can't find it. It's made to I be also, annoying. What? It's made to it be is. annoying. It's meant to push boundaries and push the the social norm. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. And I also love the recording of his guitar too. When you can hear his fingers slide up, slide up and down. Oh my god, dude! It I I love that sound. It's just enough to just give it so much character, but not be annoying. 
Like sometimes you'll hear a guitar player play an acoustic song and you could hear his fingers or her fingers slide up and down like constantly. And that can get a bit obnoxious, but there's just enough here to just perfect it. It's, it's dude, the guy's a fucking genius. He really is. Frusciante really, fruitly, he, fruitly, because Frusciante really, fruitly, fruitly was a genius. The only thing that he could not do was, was open up and be a bandmate to Flea and, and let him know his direction because, again, like everything I read about this was Flea was pissed and Frusciante had no idea that he was pissed until after it was done. Even and contemplated I think, leaving the band. I know, <laughs> I know. It's crazy. <laughs> he not 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 like just like Fleet didn't just contemplate. Like he was set. He's like, I'm fucking done with this band. And then Kiedis was the one that kind of like convinced him. And then there was this quote that I read like from Flea that said the only reason why I didn't leave the band at that point was because I didn't have the heart to tell Anthony. And that's <sighs> like that's why I feel like like Anthony would be nothing without Flea. Absolutely True. nothing yeah. without Flea. And honestly, the Chili Peppers would be nothing without Anthony because Anthony is a very unique style of person, of brand, of, of singing, of everything, of just bringing everybody together, even yeah. though he's not the best part of it. But like the Chili Peppers are Anthony Kiedis, essentially. It's so frustrating because you're right. It is. And I hate that. I hate that. And I know you hate it, too. I, it's annoying. It's, but it's, it's, it's annoying. <laughs> yeah, it's very annoying, but like everybody loves Kitas. Uh, everybody loves Kitas. Well, some people do. Enough people. Does, everybody but you. you know. Everybody but you love Kitas. Yeah, it's to the a, point where they, you know they make seventy million dollars on one tour <laughs> each. <laughs> <laughs> annoying. Uh. It's 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 just like I don't know what 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 could have been had Frusciante and Flea worked out things and, and I don't know, communicated with each other and, and wrote songs together and, and I don't know, just done really well because Flea was ahead of his time. Like Flea was, Flea was fucking fantastic. Flea did yeah. the, the Mars Volta thing just as yeah. good, if not better than Frusciante did before he did it. And that's fine. And, and Frusciante, I don't know, Frusciante could have learned a lot from Flea and Flea could have learned a lot from Frusciante, but they just, they boxed each other out because of probably Kiedis, honestly. Because but I think I think Kiedis did learn a lot from Flea, at, at least at the beginning. But like it during was the Mother's Milk era. But it was quietly. Frusciante, well, yeah. Frusciante's okay, a yeah. quiet dude. Frusciante's a quiet dude, and Flea's kind of a quiet dude also. And so Kiedis could have been the front man if Kiedis was if Kiedis was a fucking front man. He could have been like, "Hey guys, I can see that this rift is 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 separating us. Let's do something." But that's why Kiedis is not a great frontman. But he's a good singer. But he's not a great frontman. Is because he cannot even see what's going on in his band. Uh, I see. I, I'm. I think the complete opposite of what you just said about Kiedis. Kiedis should have known, dude. Kiedis should have seen this. How do you not fucking see this? How do you not see that? Like Kiedis probably does, but he but he knows he doesn't have the talent to keep the band going without Frusciante. So I feel like Kiedis or would Flea? rather sacrifice. No, no, no. I feel like, I feel like at, at, once, once Frusciante left the first time and then Dave Navarro came in, I feel like at that point, Kiedis understood that he is like, the band is nothing or he is nothing without Frusciante. 
like he would have easily given up flea for for shante without a doubt he would have given up flea at this point at this point in time during by the way if flea said that he was going to leave kitas would have been okay whatever because he because kitas wrote the the songs wrote the lyrics wrote the melodies with for shante not with flea Oy. so he he has to choose that's his hard. career. His, that's his life. That's a question. Now that is a question. Let's that, l- let's take absolutely let's bad. take one hot minute, right? Let's just take one hot minute. Just for just for a quick minute. Just for a quick let's, just let, for a quick for minute. one hot okay. minute. Okay. Do you think the Chili Peppers could have survived without Flea or without Frashante after one hot minute? After one hot minute? Yeah. Let's, well, they had Dave, already lost Frashante. But Frashante's coming back, so we know what happens oh, okay. After, okay. Frisch- after Dave Navarro leaves, so we know what happens. I feel like at that point, at that point, it would have been, they would have still been successful had Flea left and Frashante came back, but not as successful because California, Californication was such a massive hit and such a such a huge departure from everything that they had ever done. They needed Flea and Frashante at that time, but it would still have, I still think it would have been very successful had Flea left and Frashante came back. But then by the time they did, by the way, it goes to show Frashante does fucking everything at this point. And they made this, this amazing record of, by the way, with pretty much without Flea. So had Flea left, the band still could have, gone places because even on stadium arcadium there's some great flea parts but there's nothing like there's nothing on stadium that can even compare to californication but don't forget like like he attachment to flea like his a his his emotional no, attachment, attachment to flea no there is there is but then also when you look at the history of the band after stadium arcadium came out and Frashante left remember the band took a break like a two-year break and during that time flea intentionally went to music theory school because he was so I mean, he wanted I to be a teacher because, yeah he wanted to well, teach I, at like but a I collegiate think it was also level because i think it was also because john frashante was known to be so into and mu- so knowledgeable in music theory i feel like at that point he because frashante left he wanted to fill that void that frashante had left that's what i think i think part of it was that and that's not a knock to flee at all. I think he was trying to make himself better to, to fill the void of Frashante. Even though Josh was is a great guitar player, he's not Frashante. No. So there, there's going to be a gap. There's going to be a space there that needs to be filled. And that's why Flea decided to, to, to learn music theory so he can do that. that that's, my, that's my theory and my idea on that. But Oof. whatever. What do we know? What do we know? We're not... We're not, not in really. the Red Hot Chili Peppers. We are in the Red Hot Chili Peppers as of now. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we do know almost everything. But um, anyway. <laughs> we, know, <laughs> we know more than Halil. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> is, that not, is that bad? Is that not, is not, a, is that not a good taste? <laughs> oh, let's talk. Let's, wait, wait. Let, 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 let's step back and talk about Anthony Kiedis real quick. You know, okay, here we go. Dur- during the Uplift era, the Uplift MoFo era, <laughs> so they're both okay anthony kiedis is strung out on fucking heroin so is hillel they know he's he's strung out but he he presents it better than anthony does supposedly and they make a pact hillel and anthony do that we're both on heroin let's get clean together and we'll be accountability buddies so that's really never that never works 
it's accountability buddies. Is that what you said? Accountability buddies. Yeah, it's it's a stupid <laughs> term. Is that a real term? I heard it once, like recently. Accountability buddies. I I heard it once recently as like a joke, and I thought it was so stupid, so I thought I'd throw it out there. But uh, yeah, so they were accountability buddies, and they were both strung out on heroin. That shit never works when you're both strung out and you both try to quit cold turkey. You're going to have withdrawals. You guys are going to en- enable each other. It's never going to work. I understand you're young, but come on. It's it's just, it's silly boy talk. Obviously, because Hillel didn't make it. past. Oh, man. I just don't know. I just don't know. I'm I'm still reeling over accountabilities. <laughs> I heard it on a podcast like a couple months ago. I mean, it's, it's a good, it, no, it makes sense. I understand exactly what you mean when you say accountability buddies. It sounds fucking dumb. Yeah, but it sounds dumb. I'm going to laugh every single time, but I love it. Yeah. It's good stuff. But that's essentially what Anthony and Hillel were. But yeah, anyway, let, well, let's get into our 3B. Yeah. What do you got for your 3B? Uh, I think we did my 3B. Can't stop. Can't stop was my oh, 3B. All right, let's get it. I mean, we don't have that much more to talk about, right? We don't have that much more to talk about. I don't. I, I have ten Bs. There's six songs I think are are okay's. Okay, Two I bangers. Have nine. I have nine Bs, but yeah, a uh, few almost stinkers. But I do really want to talk about my three B because what is that it? song is on Mercury. Oh, kind of later in the record. Does this okay. a B for you? This is my six B. So this is a this is a song I'm, I thought would be in your top three at least. This is a song that I thought would be in your okays because no, this is like this is a, a ska, ska song. song. Yeah, it's a rat. What I like ska music. What are you talking about? You're not a Tyler. I'm a Tyler, ska man. Tyler, Rebecca, and Stead. You're gonna sit here and tell me that you're a ska man. You are not a ska man. I am a ska man. Come on. I like ska a lot. I may not be as Go big on. as you and, and Shady, but I like ska a lot. <laughs> You're fucking silly if you think I. I am. I guess color me silly man. then. Color me silly. Oh, I, I've color colored me you silly way too many times. <laughs> but yeah, no. This is this is this is their three B. Oh, Mercury. I I totally. I mean, I don't even remember hearing the song prior to this week, <laughs> and uh, I was I was laughing. I, I thought, wow, this song it kind of blew me away because I, I I've obviously knew Zephyr's song and Cabron so well. But once this song came on so late in the so late in the album too, man, I was I was smiling, I was having a good time. This was this was so good. This was playlist this was playlisted. Fuck a, man, what a cool song. For for a chili pepper song, this is a fucking joke. Like there's they, like this is a <laughs> joke. Like they're Kitas, having a blast. Absolutely. Kitas Kitas uh, that like that's what I'm saying. Like Kitas Stadium Arcadium and 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 further, this would never make it through. But this is like the <laughs> last time that this kind of song would ever make it through. And I want to know whose idea this was, because this is not Kitas and this is not Frusciante's idea. This had to have been Smith, or this had to have or been. Flea. I think it was Fleas. This had to have been Fleas because the trumpet, right? Because yes, because trum- Flea plays the trumpet. So, and he plays the trumpet on a lot of Chili Pepper songs. He even played it on Francis the Cuck from Mars Volta. <laughs> so he play he's known for playing the trumpet. And he has and a, he has a trumpet song. solo on this album. But like but like yeah, there's sixteen songs on this album. And so we're talking like, you know, 
maybe 13, 14, 15 songs later, they're thinking like, oh, we're running out of songs. And Flea's like, oh, I got one. What you think about this? And they're all just sitting around like, okay. I guess I guess we could write a song around that, and it's it, <laughs> we can it's fun. very it's very stereotypical like ska sounding. It's got your upstrokes here. It's it's a little off tempoed. It's a good solid ska song. Kita sings it, and it's kind of dumb, and it's fine. It's not and, and it's fine. It's not quite third wave ska. No, it's not quite as fast as third wave, but it's almost there. So it has that kind of it's it's exciting, but I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's a really good song though. Yes. And then that during that bridge, Chad has that really cool drum part. Not even a fill, just like this really cool drum part in the bridge leading into the last chorus and the outro and stuff. Dude, it's it's so good. And then there's even parts too. This is another example on this record where he really in their entire career where Anthony sings in a very high higher much higher register than he normally does, but they're very brief, like certain words like at the end of a certain line he sings at like a, a higher register, which he never does. And it, and it kind of takes you, a, it took me aback a little bit and, and thinking, wow, like I didn't know he had it in him, but it just adds, it's this little, these little nuances in this song that is, that are just so good. And Flea's baseline is, it's kind of, it's kind of squirrely a little bit, but it's just enough to, to kind of keep it all together. And John doesn't do too much, you know, soundscape wise or doesn't too much do too much there. So this is almost like, this is just a really an offbeat song. It's this so weird. The, and then, yeah, sorry. This, this is the most like non John song on the album because Scott in, in itself is very, it's very complex sounding. But when you listen to one ska song, you realize that you've pretty much listened to a lot of the ska songs. Yeah. Cause they're yeah. all damn near similar. And so for John to kind of take a step back, this is clearly a song that John did not did not think that would make the record, I guess, or did not like spearhead the the I don't know, the writing of because he takes a back C. And that's that's like most guitarists in, in ska songs. It's it's about drum and bass really. Yeah. And yeah. how crazy you can make the hook. And uh that's where John falls, and that's and that's fine. And I think that's that's great, and it makes sense because it's one of the last songs on the album. And kind of making this a th- almost a throwaway song on the record, you know, reading about the recording of this record, they recorded a shit ton of songs, like actually recorded a bunch of stuff, and we, we're not going to really talk about the, the B-sides on this that were actually released, but then there was like a handful of songs that were leaked onto the internet back in the day, and there was just a lot of sh- fucking stuff written for this that didn't make the record that fit the that honestly fit the atmosphere of the record more so than this song so it's very strange that this ended up on the record and not some of those b-sides or outtakes or whatever you want to call them from this era it's very very weird and from what i was reading too they've never played the song live they never acknowledge this song nobody's <laughs> ever talked about the song in an interview i can't imagine you, Kita's ever wanted to do this ever again after this <laughs> album and then people were saying like, if you look on Wikipedia, if you look anywhere, there's no annotations about this song. There's nothing written about this song. It's like, an, it's like one of the most forgotten red hot chili pepper songs of all time. It's and the only song they've song. ever done. Yeah, no without. Yeah, totally. That's what makes this record so great too, is that they, they, they touch upon so many different genres. I mean, we <laughs> have the flamenco song of Cabron 
we have you know the ska on mercury we have you know the kind of more funk based you know by the way song we have the electronic zephyr song there's so much going on on this record that's what makes this record so fucking good oh man it's awesome it's good stuff so i do want to play a little bit of on mercury because play some on mercury baby it's so good so here it is from the red hot chili peppers There you go, on Mercury from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. The song that was accidentally put on this record. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Fair. It's, oh, dude, that, that is such a killer song, man. Oh, I love it. And that was your, what, 6B, 7B? Uh, that was my 6B, yeah. Yep. 6B, okay. Yes, All right. Uh, so what was your 4B, or what do you want to do? Um, let's see, my 4B, see, I, had to, I, had to, I had to do everything in red because you told me to do everything in red. So my 4B was Don't it's Forget so Me. so easy. Okay, all right. You hated that song. That was a stinker so for we, you. We ta- oh, we, we, we did talk about that, yeah. That's right. Uh-huh. We did talk about that. <laughs> so what's your 5B? Uh, throw away your television. Throw away your well, you television. Cut, you cut out so bad. Yeah. Well, throw away your television is my 5B. Okay. You want to, Let's get into that then. Is that not a is that not a fucking B for you? Oh no, it's my uh my eight B. <laughs> throw throw away your television. Yeah, it's my eight B. Okay. But the lyrics were a little cheesy, but it's a good song. Yeah, I mean li- lyrics aside, whatever. But this is uh I don't know. The the <laughs> intro, it's got Flea and, and Smith. It's yeah, you haven't heard that in a while, right? Just them two kind of going at it. That's kind of cool. And then uh yeah. this is the song that I thought Frashante was really channeling his uh his inner Omar. With them guitar noises, it's uh, it's super dope. It's just a jam song. It's fun, and and Frusciante's just kind of like, hey, let's see, uh, let's see how many different parts I can do with weird noises. And it's fine. Yeah, I agree. And th- this song actually reminds me, like it could be a very very distant cousin of Drunk Ship of Lanterns from uh, the Mars Volta, in that. The drums are very like tribal sounding. I mean, Chad plays more of like the toms and does that kind of tribal sounding stuff. 
John Theodore plays just the snare, just that that constant role for the entire seven minutes. So you get that tribal sound. On top of that, you get that that really awesome kind of bass line from Flea on both recordings because he did both of those songs. And then on top of that, John's guitar playing on this song reminds me a lot of Omar's guitar on Drunk Ship in that it's just like a few like chords or, or notes here and there. But on the Mars Volta one, they kind of ring out and there's a lot of reverb. On this one, it's generally very, a little bit of distortion, but it's very kind of just abrupt, but it's still like the same notes. It, they're just not drawn out the same same way the Mars Volta is. I feel like there's a lot of connections between the two songs, if that makes any sense at all. No, it and does, because they're both they're both hectic. And I mean, for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, this is a hectic song. It's, it is, yeah. It's some of these parts are extremely heavy for this album, and like tonally, some of the heaviest they've done in like a couple of albums because this this song is incredibly heavy, and so I that that makes sense that I don't know there there be like comparisons it's a very distant drawn. cousin, yeah, a very very distant cousin of Drunk Ship, and then also like you were saying the guitar solo, this sounds very electronic based but you know it's like it's John playing using different pedals, but it sounds almost like computerist, computer-like, you know? And there is a Mars Volta song, and I'm trying to think of what what song is it where Omar... Dude, there's a solo in, in some Mars Volta song that sounds almost exactly like this. But it's a late... Maybe it's on... Do you know what I'm talking about? Maybe, is it, maybe it's Serpentaxed? I don't have, uh, I don't have notes for it. Yeah, I know you don't know. Too. But anyway, yeah, there's just so many similarities between Omar and uh, or Mars, the Mars Volta and this song. I think this is a great song, though. It is really great. It's good. But you're like 14B. It's your 17B. It's my That's fine. There's just so many cool things in between this. I mean, we, we we talked about like the very unique songs, you know, already on top of the big hits of Can't Stop, Zephyr. Uh, we haven't talked about By the Way, but. You know, there's so much in between this, but this oh, is wow, this we is haven't talked about. By the way, it's funny because <laughs> like because like uh, uh, "Can't Stop" is is the cheesiest song on the album, like for sure. It is so fucking cheesy. It's so dumb, but yeah. it is just like the blueprint for writing a good funk song for just a bunch of guys <laughs> that have already been writing like funk songs. But it is so fucking cheesy. Like can't stop is so cheesy. I know. It's fucking three big. <laughs> All right. Well, let's 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 get into by the way. I can we, we even talk okay. about by the way? Yeah, let's do that. The the opener, the title track, the first single. Whew, what a what a weird song. This is this is like the most traditional kind of Red Hot Chili Pepper song. The only really traditional Chili Pepper song on the record. It's fantastic though. The helicopter is, sound that Frusciante makes. What is this on your uh, on your on your B's? This is my five B. Okay, five B. So, okay. what, what do you think about this one? What do you think? What do you got? So this is this is my eight B. I I okay. dude, the intro is so cool. I love its simplicity. It's very clean, very crisp sounds. There's a lot of cool bass slides that are being thrown into it after. I love that Frusciante just kind of plays those palm mute chickas. And like you said, it makes that <laughs> yeah. chopper sound. And then it just, like, Flea and Chad is just allowed to let loose. 
And that is like doom, my doom, favorite doom, part doom, of the song. Boom, boom. That bass line is so ca- the bass line is catchier. I feel like the bass line is catchier than the actual vocal melody. Gotcha. And that's pretty remarkable. The doom 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 boom 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 boom. It's so simple. It's, it's so it's, it is. Oh. It is. It's very funky. It's 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 cool. Uh, it's 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 what makes the chili peppers so so hot, right? It's just I don't know, it's very cool. Yeah. The bridge part is very cool. And it's funny because Ketis is just doing like this caveman thing, the ooh, ah. Like, you know what I mean? The ooh, ah. <laughs> ooh, ah. Like, it's so stupid. I, I know, Oh, my God. I cannot stand that he just does ooh, ah. But I, will, I will never not <laughs> sing it. What's worse, the, the caveman in this song or Jonathan Davis scatting in Freak on a Leash? Oh, that's tough. Uh-huh. That is no, it's the caveman for sure. Because at least <laughs> at least Jonathan Davis scatting is like unique, and that's something that we haven't heard from from like a white dude with dreadlocks from Bakersfield ever. <laughs> but this one was just like, yeah, this is stupid. Like I don't know what to say. Ooh, ah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what it is. It's, stream it's, of consciousness. That's what it is. Is Anthony Kiedis didn't know what to say, so he just reverted to caveman instincts. Whereas Jonathan Davis. <laughs> Like like like, inputted caveman instincts because he knew exactly what to do. It's like Jonathan Davis is the genius of the caveman. Yeah, and yeah, yes. I was gonna say Anthony Davis, but Anthony Kiedis. Yes, Jonathan Kiedis and Anthony Davis. <laughs> Anthony Davis. Wait, that's the, the guy. Anthony Davis from the, <laughs> the basketball player, player. Yeah, from the Lakers. <laughs> With the unibrow, yeah, yeah, great player, but. Ugly man. No, not anymore, but. Oh, okay. Fair. That's fair. That's fair. But anyway, by the way, I tried to say I'd be there waiting for you. That is a great chorus. That is. A, and then, and then, so it goes into it's those lines and then Frashante comes in with that wah, that wow, wow, wow. It's so cheesy. So cheesy, but I fucking love it. I do. I really want to play this song now. It's a good song. It It, it gets me so pumped up. So. Here's a here's by the way from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Standing in line to see the show tonight, and there's a light on, heavy glow. By the way, I tried to say I'd be there, waiting for.
There you go. By the way, from Red Hot Chili Peppers. This is probably like, this is probably their best video they've ever put out too. Ew. I love this video. I hate this video. It's so it's so bad, but it's so much fun. It's so janky. I can't even watch <laughs> it. Like it makes me fucking sick. It's so Why shaky. Though? It's a because it's oh, so it very shaky. shaky. Yeah, yeah. It's like a handheld camera kind of thing. Yeah. But it's not even like a Super Eight or, or Cloverfield type of shaky. It's like a like some guy who had fucking I don't know zero arms filming this. It was horrible. <laughs> zero. Yeah, zero arms. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, none of their videos are great. I mean, other side actually, that was a really cool video, but yeah, otherwise they don't have very good videos. But this one was it was fun. A lot of chase sequences and just stupid shit. It was fun though. I enjoyed it. Waiting phone. Wow, 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 wow. I love that. I love that wah. It's so good. Even when, even when Frusciante's doing the the helicopter stuff during the verse, at the end of every every line, you hear the you hear him stop the helicopter to do like a very slight wah sound to accommodate to to play along with Anthony's part. It's the subtle things on this record that also make it so fucking good. Yeah. Oh man, what a good what a good song! Just get pumped up to. This is definitely not a song I would get pumped up to, but I would for sure play this a song on a pumped up playlist. Um, lyrically, too, I mean, much like everything else on this record, it's a lot of word vomit and noises. I thought for sure, like going into this week, that we were going to stumble upon like these crazy heavy, I don't know, metaphorical <laughs> lyrics. But it was just, it was just like like a kid writing lyrics with a stream of consciousness sort of approach. It's like, it's like you know when 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 a lot of bands go into the studio, especially vocalists, they'll do like a scratch track, you know, where yeah. there's not actual words. It's just a mel like a melody without anything else, no words at all, just a melody with noises. And yeah. that's pretty much Anthony Kiedis. But he throw he actually makes words instead of just making noises. He he throws words out, but they're nonsensical. Correct. That's what that's that's his style of writing. Yeah. And I think people look way too far into it. Because it's not that complicated at no, all. No, I don't. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> nope. Uh, nope, nope. All right. So, what what else do we have on this? What do you got? Or that's, do you want to wrap it up? That's no. That's that's all I got. I don't really have anything else as far as like pressing bangers. We we hit all my like top six, seven bangers. Okay. I I mean I agree with you. We touched upon out of sixteen songs off the main record. We've touched upon a lot. The only one I, I I don't want we don't have to play it, but I do want to talk about it. Uh, it's the song war, uh, "Warm Tape," the second Warm to last tape. song on here. Okay, all right. Because it's an okay synth, song for me. The that's a, that's that, a, I wrote that's an Angels and Airwaves sounding fucking intro here. No, it's it's not this a, is, not an Angels. This song, is no. this is an Angel no. Air, Angels and Airwaves sounding intro. That organ sound is irritating. No. Cool bassline, but fuck me, that air, that organ sound is irritating. <laughs> It's not angels sounding at all, but it is very cool. And it was actually written at a rehearsal. It was it was basically basically basically, basically. a a synthesizer. It was just the synthesizer that John was playing, and that's how he wrote this song at a rehearsal. And then eventually they added more onto it. But pretty much the gist of the song was written at a rehearsal, and I think that's really cool. And it just, it sounds so. This is another one of those songs that sounds so wildly different from everything the Chili Peppers have done. 
this is one of the most experimental songs they've ever done. Straight up most experimental song. Yeah, it sounds like Angels and Airwaves. No, it doesn't, man. I don't know what... It does not. It totally it does. does. They, that first sure, like the first like 30 seconds is 100% no. Angels and Airwaves. The, once it gets into the chorus, though, it kind of kills the whole kind of atmosphere of the vibe. song. Yeah, I get it. It kills the, it kills the vibe with, with the guitar and the drums, everything that comes in. It really kind of ruins it. It's typical Chili Peppers, but... Uh, but yeah, no, it, I love the I love that synth line. It just sounds so fucking cool. And apparently, mm-hmm. when when John was writing the song, he wrote that synth part, whatever. But he originally envisioned the song to have like a punk part, like a very fast punk part. And Rick Rubin actually shot it down completely. He said, "No, this sounds bad. You know, we're gonna if we're gonna put the song on here, we have to make it just you know the synth part with like the hook, no punk part at the end or any part in the song." So that kind of was that was actually irritating reading it because I'm really curious as to where John was really want what John wanted out of this song because it could have been something so weird and so could have been like really fucking cool had he added like this punk part because he obviously knows what he's doing and I feel like Rick is Rick is great but Rick really kind of brings John down yeah but yeah anyway warm tape not gonna play it but i wanted to bring that up because it is definitely an outlier on this record so with that said what are your final thoughts and we're also going to rank this we give we we with we're going to rank this with our um world famous three-point rating system where three is a perfect album two is a good album you're going to continue to listen to one is a bad album but give it a shot and zero is just the worst thing you've ever heard so what do you got jeff go i uh it's kind of interesting because like Rick Rubin is, is so he's put on this pedestal where he can do no wrong. And I think with like the red hot chili peppers, he did a lot wrong. There's a lot of things that he could have done better. There's a lot of things that I think his ego got in into his own, his own production and his own kind of way of life. And I think John Frusciante is a, uh, is a good example of that because I mean, for whatever it's worth, Mother's Milk, in our opinion, is is so much better than Blood, Magic, Sugar, Sex, Booze. And uh, I don't know. It's bizarre. It's bizarre because Rick Rubin uh, is just, God, he's hailed as a god amongst producers. And yeah. even, even, even gods can fall. Even gods can fall. <laughs> but as far as this album goes, this is, um, God, this is fucking weird. This is such a weird album because it is so different than a lot of the things they've ever done, even with the Josh stuff, because the Josh stuff is the closest that they've come to recreating this sound as far as as just like strict lackadaisical melodies go. But even the Josh stuff has been put on the back burner because Josh was not allowed to shine until like Danger Mouse came in. And even then, it was it was kind of just as like an afterthought. So this band has has been predominantly revolving around Kiedis and Flea vibing off each other, and this is the first time that they've not vibed off each other because Flea had a horrible time recording this album, and Kiedis um, is just I don't know what the fuck he's doing on this album because half the time makes no sense, <laughs> and so now we're hearing like a, a a John a John album featuring the Red Hot Chili Peppers. 
and it's fucking fantastic. Yeah. It's unbelievable. But it could have been better had Rick Rubin like shut his fucking mouth and everyone else, I don't know, followed his stuff and then had had John and Flea networked with each other and 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 got on the same page. This album could have been better. And it's really really good. It's 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 my fucking third favorite Chili Pepper album, but it could have been better. But it's already like I'm gonna give this a two point seven five because it's so fucking good. But it could have been <laughs> so a three. Good. It could have been a three. It could have been a. Th- it could have been a beyond banger. I honestly think this could have been a beyond banger, had everybody just opened their mouths and and articulated their thoughts. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I think. Two point seven five. Two point seven five. That's it's really so, high. It's so I'm goddamn shocked. good. <laughs> I was shocked this, this wasn't your, in my top two. I, I yeah, thought for your, sure my three B. I, I thought for sure this would it would have been Californication and then by the way, as far as like yeah. my, my top two are concerned. Yeah, I thought by the way was gonna be your number one. Then I thought blood sex was gonna be your two. You're gonna be a cuck and then put one hot minute as your number three. That's oh, dude, one hot minute's so good. I cannot <laughs> believe that's how good it was. One hot minute would not have been in my top like five had it not been for the fact that we have we dove into like Jane's addiction and had a newfound respect for Dave Navarro because even you like respect Dave Navarro get the fuck out of yeah, here no you're right you're right I do I do even you like even that whole episode that we did like you you realize he is way better than we ever thought he was yeah he he's very yeah I was very surprised by that but I still don't I think Perry Farrell is just the the kind of just, he's the worst part of that band. You Much love like stupid, is the worst part of this you, band. You love stupid, nasally, obnoxious vocals. Are you your favorite? I love Tom DeLonge, yeah. <laughs> I love Cedric. Yes, I know. You love that shit. I know. That's I, all you I like. agree. <laughs> I totally agree. I'm I'm a weird person. I like that weird, high-pitched shit. But, you know, Perry Farrell does not do it well. I think he's very obnoxious <laughs> and not even in a good way. Because he doesn't really... Yeah, he's just... No, he's not very good. He's the worst part of that band. Hands down, the worst part of that band. That's, Much I mean, like Kiedis is the worst part of this fine. band. Now, uh, all right, 2.75 you gave this record, by the way. Uh, this one, fuck, man. This was truly a um, a diamond in the rough of their their discography. This is the one of the few, this is the only record where they really experimented with multiple just weird genres like we were talking about with the the flamenco stuff the ska stuff the the funk rock which have been known for the ballad stuff they they go all over the place on this record and i love it for that i think it's really great there are some you know almost stinkers like um i can't even think of the name of the song right now but with that stupid bass riff but dude i fucking need that so much uh but i do agree with you had Rick Rubin stepped back a little bit more had Flea been more a part of the songwriting. Like if, if John and Flea had been the primary songwriters on this, this could easily have been the greatest thing that they have put out like without a fucking doubt. But the thing is like we talked about for Shante and Anthony, they are the ones that collaborate with the songs. And it's really unfortunate because Flea obviously <laughs> is so beyond talented. It's nuts. And uh, one example of that, which we we didn't bring up, but there is like this popular video online back in like 2005, 
around the Francis the Mute era, 2005, 2006 of the Mars Volta, when John and Flea were like embedded in that in that band, they uh, they played like an impromptu like improv gig at some cafe I don't know in somewhere here in California, and it was it was Omar, John, and and Flea, and they played for about 35 minutes, and it was pretty much just Flea like playing just like a, a cool bassline. And then Omar and John were just playing over it. And obviously John was just like smoking Omar. Just Omar didn't even stand a chance. But it was still cool because Omar was just kind of following along to what Flea was playing. And John was just kind of like ripping it up, doing his own thing. It was, have you ever seen that video? No. It's so fucking (laughs) cool. It's like, it's seriously like 35 minutes. But it's just them improving improvising and just jamming together without any sort of percussion like flea is essentially the percussionist but dude it's so sick and had that been a collaboration of john and flea on this it could have just been unfucking real i don't know man but blame it blame it on rick blame it on anthony i don't know i blame it on rick with that being said i blame it on both both really Maybe a little bit on Flea, too, because Flea is such a... He loves Anthony so much that he would never want to betray Anthony. They've been so, together for so long. Exactly, and that that's kind of... It kind of ruins the the dynamic of this band because had Flea kind of abandoned Anthony a little bit and gone more toward John, they could have made an amazing record. But you but can't he has like such loyalty. boy like that. But he has such loyalty to Anthony, which is very admirable, obviously. It's very admirable, but... It comes to a point where, you know, Anthony doesn't provide a lot to the band outside of being a front man. Barely Just saying. that. Just saying. Just saying. Uh, with all that said, I think this is an amazing record. And I'm going to have to give this a 2.5 only because some of the almost stinkers. Because I have those three almost stinkers. And then a few okay songs. But the songs that, that hit, they hit so fucking hard. So damn good. I love this record. It's amazing. It's awesome. John Frusciante did an amazing job on it. So there you go. 2.5 out of three for me. Okay. Oh, man. What an episode this has been. What been an episode, one. baby. Whew. This has been one of our longer ones. Holy shit. Holy shit. All right. So uh, you got anything else or what? I guess not. So <laughs> no, that's it. <laughs> Go to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, wherever you go. I don't know anymore. Go to, go there, rate, review, and subscribe to us. Uh, follow us on social media at Asinai Radio. And once again, thank you all for listening. Next week is going to be a, a real departure for the podcast. Going to be doing something we've never done before. So uh, stay tuned for that. And thank you all for listening again. And um, that's it. That's all. This is no, yeah. This is. is this is their best pop punk record. No, coaster is, mm. but that's fine. You can keep saying the wrong thing. <laughs> um, I don't ever want to feel like, like I, I did, that, did day. that day. Take me to the Take place to that, the that place I, love. I love. Take me Dude, pretty far away. I don't ever want to feel. Fucking <laughs> ate it. Mm-hmm. He does all this little ooh. Uh, he's so obnoxious. <laughs> so obnoxious. <laughs> Can't stop addicted to the shantig.
I hate Anthony Kiedis. That's probably your entire thoughts this week. By the way, I'll try to see I'll be there. Waiting for Waiting you. For you. <laughs> He's so annoying. Oh my God. Card shop. Anthony, <laughs> Anthony Kiedis is so annoying. Uh. Like literally <laughs> just fucking wait for him all along. Yeah. It is unbelievier. Unbelievier. It is unbelievable. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I don't care. It's boring. No, and it's, it's whatever. I had no idea that this sample from Butterfly by O-Town w- oh, yeah. was this. No, uh, Crazy Town. Crazy Town. Crazy Town. O-Town, yeah, Crazy yeah. Town. I don't give a fuck what town is from. Yeah. What was O-Town? Actually, it was O-Town. O-Town was the boy band. Was O-Town? O-Town was the boy band. <laughs> <laughs> what was Crazy Town? That was a boy band too, was it not? No, Crazy Town was like the new metal band. Was that a band? Did, but Yeah, Crazy Town was the new metal band. They just heavily sampled this thing and, and, and their they biggest single? They sampled the one song, yeah. You Much love like Kiedis stupid. Is the worst part of this. You thing. you love stupid nasally obnoxious vocals. Your favorite. I love Tom DeLonge. Yeah, <laughs> I love Cedric. Yes, I know. You love that shit. I know. That's I, all you I like. agree.